0: Hi there, and welcome back to Out There, a cryptid podcast. I'm your host, Josh. Each week, I come out with a new episode focused on a cryptid that I find super fascinating and weird. If you don't know what a cryptid is, it's defined as an animal that has been claimed to exist but never proven to exist. Cryptids don't have to be supernatural or mythical beings, although many of them are. Some cryptids have actually become documented animals. Make sure you go and follow the podcast on Instagram, at out there cryptids and check out the posts I make for each episode and maybe send some suggestions you'd like to hear. This week is going to be a little different than normal and by a little I mean very different than normal. It's going to be a two-part episode. The first part will be all about the case that I'm going to really go into specific detail about. I read a book about this very strange occurrence that I think bridges the gap between cryptids and demons very well. It's the case of of Bill Ramsey, a man who was believed to be possessed by the spirit of a wolf. Before we dive in, the book I read was titled Werewolf, which was written by a couple people, demonologist Ed Lorraine Warren, a writer named Robert David Chase, and the man himself, William Ramsey. Obviously, there will be spoilers in this episode because I'm literally telling you what the book talks about, but I'm still suggesting you read it because It's really, really well written, and there are some little things that I may not mention in this specific podcast episode. Now, the second part will be a full Weird Club episode with my favorite podcast host and already Weird Club inductees, Anna and Cassie from Oddities. Super excited to have them back. They covered the Warrens in an episode of Oddities, so go check that out because they do a really good job of discussing their most famous cases and even dabble into their credibility. I'm not really going to go into much depth about the Warrens' lives because I really want to focus on Bill Ramsey's. I'm really excited for this episode if you can't already tell. So buckle up because this is a crazy long ride. Let's dive in. William David Ramsey was born on November 11th, 1943. World War II was going on and most of his early memories are from the London bombings. He was born and raised in South on sea England, which is about 40 minutes outside of London. It was a safe, nice town. At one point, the perfect vacation spot of England. Bill, what he is most commonly referred to as, was one of eight kids. His family was very, very poor. He remembers that his oldest sister was bought from the family, and yet they were still poor. But because there were eight children, Bill often felt lonely and would play by himself. He was a normal boy until one day when his life would change forever 1952 on a sunny Saturday afternoon Bill was playing alone in his backyard he was used to long hours of playing usually and today was no different this time he was pretending to be a fighter pilot just like the ones fighting in the war that he had grown up during he was playing for about an hour when all of a sudden it felt cold like An invisible ocean wave hit him. His whole body started to shiver, and then he smelt something. A very foul odor. But just as fast as it came, the odor and cold went away. Gone. And he felt normal again. So he started playing. But then whenever he closed his eyes to pretend he was a pilot, he felt dumb. Bill no longer wanted to play. He felt a change in him. He almost felt stupid for playing pretend games, as if he had grown up instantly. It began to grow dark, and he just stood in the center of the lawn and stared at the stars and the moon. He then heard his mother calling him for supper, which was the normal routine. But instead of the normal reaction, which was almost a comfort, he felt angry. Then rage came over him. While he was walking back, his shoe got caught against the fence post, and he tripped. When he got up, he felt his rage grow more and more. Then he heard a low rumble in his chest. He turned to the fence post that was deep into the ground and pulled it out so violently that the grass and dirt spread everywhere, including the porch. His mother saw this and called his father, and they both ran out of the house to see what was wrong. But now Bill was spinning it above his head like a baseball bat. The wire was still nailed to the post, so not only was the pole swinging, but the wiring went with it. When they got close, he threw it onto the ground and began to rip the wire from the fence with his hands. And then his teeth. His hands and mouth were bloody. That's when his father bent over to try and get Bill off, but his strength was too strong. Bill's mother started sobbing, and that's when Bill began to feel himself getting under control but all he could see was darkness except he heard the sound of his mother sobbing he felt the coldness come over him again and so did the rage that's when he saw himself as a wolf growls came from his chest and out his mouth the parents ran for the house but his mother tripped so his father picked her up but when he looked back they saw Bill chasing them the strange thing is They said they saw a wolf. They got inside the door and pulled it shut. Once the door slammed, Bill's rage began to go away, and so did the coldness. He then realized something awful had happened. He went to the door and knocked. They were unsure to let him in, but did, and he ran to their arms, and they all cried. But when his mom was feeding dinner that night to the family, she noticed a difference in Bill. She was unable to pinpoint it, and they never talked about it again. So, starting at an early age, Bill worked various jobs. This was pretty normal at the time. It was basically, whenever you could pick up a tool, you'd begin. In 1958, Bill dropped out of high school during his sophomore year, meaning only two years left. His teacher said he was a very smart boy, so it wasn't about his studies. He worked in the construction business and was a very gifted carpenter. In 1965, Bill married the love of his life, Abby, and they went on to have three children, Anne, Gail, and Ted. He was an amazing dad and husband, apparently. He loved them very much. Bill was always shy and insecure, but up until now, he hadn't really thought of his wolf attack back when he was nine. Until he had a dream. The dream was this. Abby stood in the kitchen, doing dishes. He called out her name, and she would turn around. She was smiling, but when she looked at him, she screamed, covering her eyes, and she'd run away. This dream happened all the time in the summer of 1967. He would wake up sweating and thrashing in bed, and would touch his face to see what could have made Abby scream. But just like they came on, they went away. That is, for a little. In the winter, during a snowstorm, the dream happened again, same as usual. But then he heard a low animal rumbling in the darkness. Some kind of beast was crouched in the corner of his room. The growl came again, and this time the sound was coming from inside him. He stayed awake until the morning, and by then the sounds had gone away. So at this point in London, the economy crashed, so Bill lost his job with many other people. Having to provide for his family, he started taking all kinds of jobs and working strange hours. He started a small office cleaning service that was just him. This caused a lot of stress on Bill, and Abby was always worried about him. In October, Bill started waking up in the middle of the night to look at the moon. Sometimes the same cold would come over him, but... He always had visions of wolves running through his mind, but he would always just put himself back to sleep, saying he'd feel better if he slept, and it must just be stress. A couple months later, two friends, Scott and Jeremy, had joined Bill's business, and they were awesome to have around for help. They'd sometimes go get beers after work, just to relax. This particular Sunday was really hard, so the beers they got at the bar were very necessary, they drank a couple beers and stayed a few hours. Bill went to the bathroom before leaving, and when he was washing his hands, he looked up in the mirror, and instead of himself, he saw a wolf. It went away in a blink. Bill laughed, thinking he was tired or even drunk, so they started to make their way home. Scott driving, Bill and Jeremy in the back seat, because the front seat was filled with equipment from their workday. Bill says that He felt an overwhelming feeling to grab Jeremy and do something violent to him. Images of wolves filled his brain, and then the cold came. He fought the urges and looked out the window, holding his hand so tight it drew blood. He began to pray, "'Dear God, please don't let me become.' Then the low, rumble growl came out of him. They all heard this and became a little frightened. Jeremy thought Bill must be pretending— But then, all of a sudden, Bill lunged at him. The attack was only five minutes, but felt much longer. Bill's hands became like claws. He was howling and growling. Jeremy began to scream for help, punched Bill, and tried to fight him off. But he was too strong. Bill then went to bite Jeremy's leg. Scott now pulled over the car and turned around to split them up. When he looked at Bill, he looked different. Almost Wolf-like, showing his teeth, and there was a glimmer of a beast in his eyes that weren't Bill's. They finally pushed him into the corner of the car and held him there until he calmed down. That's when everything started to go back to normal, or more Bill-like. A whimpering sound came from him, and then Bill said, Let me out of here. So Bill got out of the car to cool off and started to walk but obviously Scott and Jeremy were not going to let him walk along the road home. They could see Bill was back to himself but upset by what just happened. They drove home and all Bill could think was I am a wolf with a wolf's hunger. Tonight I tried to hurt my friend Jeremy. Someday I will kill. I know I will. Later, when they would all talk about what happened, Bill just pretended he was acting and wanted to scare them. They didn't really believe him, but it was easier to accept that than anything else. So they did. Now, in December, Bill started to work for a taxi company as dispatch. And he actually really liked this job because he got to hear so many different stories from different people. But something happened to him on a night in December that would set Bill's world on a path he never Would have expected december 5th 1983 bill was driving for the night shift at work when he felt a strong pain in his chest he then started to have a hard time breathing so he drove straight to the emergency room he parked and when he started to walk he got another terrible pain he fell back against the car and thought he was dying but bill was determined to make it inside so he started to walk again He couldn't call out for help because he was afraid that would be the last of his energy. When he finally made it inside the doors, he felt the cold starting at his feet and slowly rising. All he could think of was the wolf. He prayed it would go away. Two nurses ran to him and brought him into an empty room. About ten minutes had passed, and he started to feel better, actually. One nurse took his blood pressure while another nurse wrote it down. All of a sudden, he felt the rumble inside him. It came out of his mouth as a growl, and the nurses both jumped back. Bill knew he was changing, and the images of wolves flashed in front of him. That is when another growl came. And then his hand started to curl into paw-like claws, and he started to stand from the bed. One of the nurses told him to lay down, but Bill kept getting up, one foot on the ground at this point, and the nurse made her way over and put her hand on his shoulder. He swiped at her with his hand, or and she jumped back just in time. But she didn't give up. She kept saying, please, Bill, as she went to help him lay down. And it worked for a second time. Bill started to lay down, but then another growl came and he jolted up. He grabbed the nurse's arm and took a bite, sinking his teeth into her flesh. She screamed and the other nurse came and started to slap Bill, but he didn't let go. The other nurse's scream caught the attention of a policeman and an intern. And they came running into the room. When they got there, they saw a wild-looking man holding two nurses at bay. The animal growls were coming from the man. After some chairs were thrown and a little struggle where Bill almost bit the police officer's arm, they got Bill down on the gurney and strapped him in. Then, the head doctor came in with a tranquilizer injection. Now... When Bill came to, he had no idea where he was. He obviously saw it was an ambulance, but was unsure why. He thought maybe he had been in an accident. The paramedic was asking his name and other questions, but Bill had no recollection of what had just happened. When Bill asked if he was in an accident, the two men laughed at him, saying how crazy it is that this guy didn't remember what he did. That's when they told him he was going to Runwell, the mental hospital. When Bill arrived, he talked with the head doctor who told him all about what happened. Bill couldn't explain what happened, but he also couldn't tell the doctor of his prior wolf-like events because he didn't want to sound insane. But somehow, Bill was there under his own volition, so when he asked to leave Runwell, they had to let him go. The whole town had heard about what had happened. Children in the town started to fear him, and so did the adults. But the whole time, his family stood by him. January 28th, 1984, Bill was in his car leaving his mother's house when he felt another attack coming on. His body temperature dropped, his jaw clenched, and he said it almost felt like his face had begun to elongate. Wolves flashed through his mind, so he drove as fast as he could to get to the hospital. I just want to take a quick pause to say... I am unclear why he thinks going to a hospital is the best option, because he knows exactly what happened the last time he did, but whatever. He went. If you can't tell, it's a big eye roll moment. The nurse asked him to have a seat, but he pleaded with her, saying how he needed help immediately, but it was too late. His hand began to curl, and he tried so hard to fight the urge to throw the nurse across the room, but... Something in him made him do it. She screamed for help. Two patients came over to try and help and contain him, but he leapt at them and threw them both into different directions. Bill then began to run down the hallways of the hospital. He was on a complete rampage, like a wild beast throwing chairs, medical equipment, and even a doctor who unknowingly got in his path. Bill ran into the basement and then realized there was no way out. At this point... He could hear the police calling for him and screaming at each other, so he ran back up the stairs. He eventually found a room where some nurses and interns were and stood in the doorway, snarling at them. Then he entered, and they all started to scream. He grabbed one intern by the throat and began to choke him. Finally, the police caught up to him, and Bill dropped the intern. The four officers formed a circle around Bill. He swatted at them, but they knew they had to keep the formation. They jumped on him, trying to control him. One officer was thrown so hard he remained in the hospital for four days. But then, they finally got cuffs on him. And that's when the wolf started to leave Bill, and he could see what had just happened. This time, they put him in the back of the police car and took him away to jail. Now he spent a couple of hours in a cell by himself, trying to piece together all that happened, but really, he couldn't remember most things. Eventually, a cop brought him to the police surgeon's room. The surgeon tried to get Bill to explain what had happened, but Bill didn't go into much detail about what was going on. The police surgeon suggested he go back to Runwell, but Bill said no. He couldn't deal with how everyone would be looking at him, or more importantly, his family. But the police surgeon responded with something I think everyone should listen to. He said, quote, help. Every person on this planet should check into a mental hospital at least once or twice in the course of his life. There shouldn't be any stigma about going there. End quote. Anyway, basically, he said to Bill, if this happens again, he has no choice but to send him to Runwell. Bill agreed, and then he left to go straight home to Abby. This one really scared Bill. He knew another one would mean a life sentence in a mental hospital. So, him and Abby did everything they could think of. They fixed his diet, his sleep schedule, everything they could just to keep him calm at all times. And it worked, at least for a while. July 22nd, 1987. After a hard day's work, Bill went to have a beer at a bar. Some friends happened to be there as well, and he ended up having a little too many Worried about being picked up by the police, Bill decided to take back roads. While he was driving, he saw a woman walking on the sidewalk along the road. He could tell she was a prostitute, so he decided he would get her in his van, the company van, that is, and then place her under a citizen's arrest. Now, she tells a different story. She says that as she was walking, she sensed a car cruising behind her, but not in the way men who are looking for company do. The thing she remembered was him staring at her. She thought about running, but knew she wouldn't get far, so she just kept hoping for a police officer to come by. Then the van passed her and pulled over next to the curb. She went up to the door, which had been opened for her. Against her gut feeling, she gets in. Then he says he's arresting her because he thinks she is too young to be a prostitute. Bill says later that he had no idea what he was doing, but he had a need to take her to the police station. Maybe subconsciously he was afraid he was going to do something, but they get to the police station and she runs inside, afraid of Bill. He felt at peace for a second, and then the growling began, and then his hands curled, and then the images of wolves raced through his mind. He got out of the car, but couldn't stop the wolf from taking over. He started towards the police station. The canine dogs were all going crazy in their kennels, barking and snarling, which all the policemen noticed. One police officer approached him. After some awkward introductions, the police officer went to escort Bill inside, but Bill pulled away. So the officer tries again. Then the low growls came. Almost out of nowhere, Bill attacks him. The officer couldn't get him under control, and eventually Bill got his hands on his neck and began to choke him to death. He was chanting, When the devil's in me, I'm strong. Over and over again. Finally, more cops came out and Bill got off of the officer. Six officers were outside trying to get Bill under control, but it wasn't working. So the police surgeon ordered more cops outside. Six additional officers came. At this point, the police dogs were frantic. The twelve police officers surrounded Bill, circling him and watching him very carefully. Finally, they were able to restrain him enough to get a tranquilizer in him. But as soon as they got to the doors with him, he started thrashing and needed another one. The only thing Bill remembers is waking up in Runwell Mental Hospital the next morning. At this point, the news media got a hold of the story and went nuts. And I, I mean, it's not every day a story presents itself like this. They called him Wolfman or a werewolf. They were at his house taking pictures, trying to talk to his family. The phone was ringing off the hook. They were even outside of Runwell, trying to get a glimpse of him. Abby and the kids were obviously devastated by all this, but they just wanted what was best for their father. So this is how Ed and Lorraine get involved. Lorraine is watching TV in the hotel room in London. They were there investigating other cases, but Lorraine was watching the news when Bill's face came up with His wolf-like state attacks. She says she knew exactly what they were dealing with. A demonic possession. She could obviously tell that Bill didn't know it. She made Ed come watch too. Ed was very skeptical at first, but they agreed to try and meet him. Ed said that if he sensed anything fake, he would not investigate forward. So Lorraine called the police chief over in Southend. She told him who she was and how she thought she could help Bill and asked to speak to him. The police chief said Bill didn't really want to talk to the press or anyone because he was afraid of hurting his family any more than he already has. But the police chief said he would talk to Bill, who at this point had been released from Runwell. He talks to Bill and Bill agrees because, I mean, what else does he have to lose? So kind of fast forwarding a little bit, Ed and Lorraine meet Bill and heard the stories and both agreed this was a demonic possession. They wanted to bring him back to America to be exercised by their priest. Bill was very excited, and so was Abby, especially at, at the possibility of being normal again. The Warrens left London and said they would call him ev- when everything was arranged. Bill said that he thought he wouldn't hear from them ever again. So he tried to forget about it, until he received a call. Basically, what Ed was doing was talking to the British tabloid, The People, because they agreed to fly... Abby and Bill out if they got exclusive interviews and got to be there during the exorcism. Bill agreed and the plans were set. In the time leading up to the exorcism, for the first time, Bill felt a sliver of hope. But before they would leave, the wolf would take on his family. Bill was watching TV when he started to feel the cold and then uncontrollable rage. The family's dog started barking at him, furiously. That's when Abby came running in, and then the growls came from within Bill. Abby started pleading with Bill in a a calm voice, but by then, Bill was gone. The wolf had taken over his body. The family dog kept barking, trying to protect Abby, but Bill got so mad, he threw the dog across the room and it started to whimper. Abby just kept saying, I love you. And that is when bill realized what he had done it snapped him out of the state almost immediately bill hugged abby and the dog who was okay thankfully on july 23rd 1988 abby and bill arrived at the airport where they met david alford the reporter and john cleave the photographer and they were off to america for their first time ever They were so excited, not only because Bill might be, you know, cured, but also they get to see America, which they never would have been able to afford before. So Lorraine and Ed take them sightseeing around New York before heading to Connecticut, where the exorcism would take place. When Abby and Bill got to their hotel, they were exhausted from not only their travels, but the adventures they had gone on. So Bill fell asleep early, and Abby was sitting in bed with him, watching a movie. Then a growl came from within Bill. And then his eyes burst open. Only they weren't Bill's eyes. They were some beasts. She slowly touched his shoulder, all while maintaining eye contact. That is when Abby said, Bill, this is Abby. I love you. I love you, Bill, and I want you to stop this. Do you understand, Bill? Do you understand me? Slowly, when the beast's eyes started to fade away, She could see Bill's coming back. She has no idea how long they sat like that, but eventually it went away, and she fell asleep next to him. The next morning, they were getting ready for the day, and Bill said, I had the strangest dream last night. I dreamt I woke up and found myself in a wolf's body. He said, You were there too. You helped me through it, just the way you did in our living room. Bill realized that he could have heard Abby, so... He got so mad that he punched a wall and said, If the Warrens can't help me, I don't know what will happen to us, Abby. I'm afraid to think about it. Abby reassured him and held him in her arms for a little. But they had to get Bill over to meet with the priest. Bishop Robert McKenna was no stranger to possessions and exorcisms. That's why Ed brought Bill to him, because he knew that the bishop could help. But Bill had to meet with him a couple times before the exorcism, because they all wanted to be comfortable also because Bishop McKenna wanted to get a feel for this demon. In addition, they did a bunch of physical tests on Bill to make sure he was ready for the exorcism, and they determined Bill was ready to be cured. But this demon was not ready to give up, just yet. The night before the exorcism, Abby started to finally fall asleep around 4.16am. Everything was fine, when all of a sudden, she was jolted out of her deep sleep. She could hear the growling. But this time, Bill was fully possessed by the spirit. She was too late. He raised out of bed. His eyes were the color of blood rubies. His lips were pulled back from his teeth as his claw-like hands reached out for her. She screamed for him to stop while she crawled out of bed before he could grab her. But she wasn't fast enough. He got on top of her and a struggle ensued. She started to try and compose herself while fighting him off so that she could use the tactic that worked the other times. But. He was really scaring her. He tried biting her throat, but luckily she was able to fight him from it, all the while saying, Bill, I want you to stop this, in a calm voice. Then his hands found her throat and started to choke her. He was growling very loudly now. She was able to hit him hard with the heel of her hand at the base of his jaw, hard enough to knock his hands away. She got out from under him and scrambled over to the desk, He scrambled after her, but when she got there, she grabbed an empty soda bottle and prepared to strike him. He came charging after her, this time on all fours, just like a wolf, when she said, Bill, I love you. That's when she saw Bill's eyes begin to come back. She repeated herself, and it worked. The beast was disappearing from him. Bill's voice came out of his body and said, help me, Abby, help me. She held him in her arms, and he fell asleep. The next morning, Ed talked to Bill on the phone for a little, and that's when Bill noticed that the leg of the desk chair had broken off. After hanging up with Ed, he asked Abby what had happened, but she didn't want to tell him. He knew it must have happened again. He tried to remember, but couldn't at all. Then he saw bruises on her neck and realized what had happened, and Abby just held him for a little before they left for the church, praying that this would work. Now, for the exorcism, the people here are Ed and Lorraine, Bill and Abby, the bishop, and four off-duty cops there for everyone's protection, plus the reporters from the people. Ed says that Bill became very weary and then weak when he entered the church, almost like the demonic spirit was trying to hold control over Bill, but was now worried. Bill sat in a chair in front of the altar where, bishop approached, where the bishop approached and began praying in Latin. Bill just stared back, almost like he thought this wouldn't work. He even smirked sometimes when the bishop was speaking in Latin. Thirty minutes in, the bishop approached Bill and put the stole to his forehead. That is when it started. Bill began shaking violently, almost like an addict going through withdrawal, This is when Bill started to change into the wolf. He swatted at the bishop, almost cutting open his face. Two of the cops came up to grab him, but the bishop ordered them back because this is what he wanted. He wanted the beast to fight, because that is how he could weaken it. Then the bishop put the crucifix to Bill's forehead, and Bill jumped from his chair, snarling and growling, grabbing at the bishop. Abby screamed. She says that's when it turned into a nightmare. Bill went to attack the bishop, so the bishop maneuvered himself behind the altar for protection. And then he stood up straight and held out the cross again and said something in Latin. All of a sudden, Bill started to go weak. The coldness was leaving his body, he said. I felt myself becoming purified. Poison that had been in my body drained from me completely now. The spirit had left his body, and all he could feel was peace. It was successful. Everyone was happy. The next day, Bill and Abby went back to their home. The Warrens kept in touch. There have been no other wolf attacks since. Now, I know you're dying to hear about the theories and what could have happened. But you'll just have to check back next week to hear the Weird Club segment of the show with Cassie and Anna from our favorite podcast, Oddities. See you next week. We are on Instagram at OutThereCryptids, so make sure to follow us and tell us all of your thoughts on the cryptids we cover and what you'd like to hear next. It would mean a lot to us if you go to Apple Podcast and leave us a review. It's a great way for other people to find the podcast and enjoy, just like you. This episode was written and hosted by me, Josh, with logo designed by Jason Sykes and theme music from PurplePlanet.com.